0: Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Carolee Thomas, and this is You're Not the Only One. Today, we're going to be speaking to my friend, Courtney Felstead. She and I have been friends for about three years now. Our children go to the same elementary school here in San Diego, and I just immediately really liked Courtney. She had a very beautiful, sweet, soft spirit about her. I knew instantly that I was going to be able to learn from this person. She has a daughter, her third child, Ruby, who was born with a rare genetic disorder. And I really wanted her to speak on it. I wanted to hear from her about how it impacted her personally in an emotional way. Uh, spiritual way with her marriage, her children, all of it. I wanted to know how a person gets through something like that because I had always had the greatest of fears that um, any of my children would be born with a genetic uh, disorder. And in fact, I actually had a pretty big scare at one point with my second child, Um, Everything turned out fine, but it was enough for me to be on my knees, praying and asking God for deliverance from this, if not delivering my child to deliver me from the horrible thoughts that went through my head about the whole situation. So I wanted to get her insight and the way that she coped with her situation, especially me already knowing what kind of a human being I knew that she was. Uh, very calm, very stable, very level-headed. And so she agreed to come on, and I am so blessed that she did. Let's get into it. So, Courtney, we're just going to dive in, and if you could just take a second to introduce yourself, just tell us a little bit about you.
1: My name is Courtney Felstead. I am married for almost 12 years. I have four children, so there's Parker, and he's eight, Kate is five, Ruby is two, and we have a new baby, Heidi, who's almost two months. Um, I was raised in Idaho. We've lived in San Diego um, for almost six years now. And my daughter, Ruby, has a rare genetic condition called Cornelia DeLange syndrome.
0: You say you're not emotional about about Ruby, mm-hmm. about her diagnosis, her um, uh, what? It, how would you say, developmentally behind, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, did you ever go through, by God, or how could this happen to me? Or did it? Did you ever go through a moment of crisis? Like, was it hard for you to talk about it with people?
1: It's not something that is hard to talk about. It's not emotional for me. And I think sometimes people are afraid to ask me about her because they assume that it would be emotional for me, but it's really not. And I don't think I ever involved um like being mad at God or wondering why he had allowed this to happen. Um I I had probably one moment when it was overwhelming and it was really hard and I broke down. And so I was looking online at her growth curve and I saw that the Cornelia DeLange growth curve had been input into her chart. That was really confusing for me because no one had said anything about Cornelia DeLange syndrome. They have very unique facial features. Mm -hmm. That includes um, a small upturned nose, Mm -hmm. thin Uh, sort of downturned lips Mm -hmm. their ears are a little bit set back and turned um towards the back of their head they often have um a unibrow their eyelashes are very long and just sort of the bone structure is similar between all these kids with this syndrome so if you look online And if you look at the images, they all look like they could be siblings. They just, they all have a very unique look. It's like Down
0: syndrome. You know immediately if someone has Down syndrome. And so when you looked at those images, did she resemble? Yes. Okay. She really did.
1: And she was only three months old. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of hard to tell because I was comparing her as a baby to kids that were a little bit older. Right. But I sent those images to um, my family members, to some good friends and i said does this look like ruby Mm -hmm. i feel like this looks like ruby do you guys think so too and um i sort of got mixed responses some people were like yeah i definitely see it some people i think were trying to be gentle Mm. so they would say you know i think ruby is still like she still just looks like a baby to me like she has a baby face I think they didn't want.
0: I see, because even at this point, you there, everybody was still maybe, maybe thinking thinking like,
1: well, maybe she doesn't have anything, you Mm -hmm, know, maybe mm -hmm. they're just like a little few quirks, Mm -hmm. and, and that's it. The um, syndromes that the geneticist had talked about um, were pretty mild in their symptoms. So, like with one of them, she might have some hearing loss with one of them um her kidneys might be affected but it wasn't ever anything big it was like little things that wouldn't make a big difference to her quality of of life life. right um what really got me is that it said in all cases there is some mental retardation Mm -hmm. and that I lost it I totally lost it when I read that phrase because in my mind I was preparing for something that was pretty minimal um, but this it just it knocked me down so I remember going into my closet and just crying so that was the one time where this was really hard and I remember Kate came into the closet and was asking me what's wrong and I just I couldn't deal with it I said go away and then that made her upset and I just, but I had to get it out. I had to cry because it was, it felt
0: so overwhelming. And, um, maybe you were taking the gentle approach as well as your family members that, you know, maybe there's some quirks, but it never crossed your mind that this could be connected to, um, mental retardation, right? Like down syndrome. That That, was not on my radar at all. What, what was on your radar? What were you thinking at that point? Three months in. Yeah.
1: So Three months in, I was thinking she might have he- some hearing loss. Okay. She might have a hard time reproductively. Like mm. So the geneticist threw out Turner syndrome. So those people with Turner syndrome either cannot have kids or they'll have a really hard time conceiving. So I thought maybe that. And in my mind, I was thinking, these are things that we can deal with. This is not a big deal. And then yes. this, with the mental retardation, I just yeah in my mind I was like okay this is a big deal now like this is bigger than I thought it was going to be and I remember one of the first things that I thought was she's gonna live with us forever (laughs) and looking back I think well that's sort of silly that that's what got me so upset but I was thinking I'm in this for 18 years and then we're done (laughs) kids out of the house you know And I feel like with Parker and Kate, that's something that I was looking forward to. You know, Mm -hmm. 18, they're gone. They do their own thing. And the thought that she would be living with us forever and that our, you know, our retirement plans are going to be very different and um, we're going to have to provide for her financially all through her life. You know, all these thoughts were running through my mind. After
0: you read the mental retardation. Right. That was not any time before that. Right that yeah so that's sort of so when you things started he, clicking so seriously i mean and this is so why i wanted to interview you because i am i am like a i am zero to 60 i mean when i lost a and when he was two and a half ones at sea world i was already seeing his face plastered on america's most wanted yeah. like you know like the predator of him yeah you know right. and that he took my kid you know that you know and so it's always fascinating to me when there are actual calm people in the world yeah. that are rational <laughs> and can actually calmly, you know, see their way through. And that's what I saw of you from the very beginning: is that you were so calm and so collected. And I'm like, I want to go inside her mind right now. I want to know what's happening. And and if nothing is, it's like uh, I just I just have to sit and just be like, wow. I don't know. I I'm just blown away by it. It t- it just teaches me a lot to calm down and to breathe and yes, take things one step at a time. Okay. So you, you read that you have your good cry. That's your real true. And only moment where you were down. So then what did you do next? Once, um, you learned that, and I'm sure you spoke to Paul and mm-hmm. I wanted to know if you were willing to share a little bit about, um, how this affected him in the beginning and, Now now you're now you're knowing, oh no, she could be living with us forever. You know, what does that look like? How much dependence is she gonna have while I'm raising the other two? I'm like, you have four now, but yeah, the other two. Mm -hmm. And so um, yeah, if you're able to speak on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so um that has been something interesting that I have learned about him, his personality, because he also is zero zero to sixty. So maybe let me back up at my 20 week ultrasound they found that the baby had an enlarged adrenal gland. And so they called me back in um, to get kind of an in-depth, another in-depth ultrasound to see what exactly was going on. So with the adrenal gland, it produces male sex hormone. Hmm. So if it's enlarged... Only? uh, I think it... It might do other things. But yeah, I think that it but
0: that's, that's its, it's main one of responsibility. Yeah. The male wow, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: So um if it is enlarged, then it will be producing more male sex hormone than it should.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And you already knew you were having a girl.
1: Yes. So they said if this were a boy, it might not be such a big deal. Mm-hmm. But because it's a girl, they're could be some issues potentially. Like hermaphrodite? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The whole time they said, um, you know, ultrasounds aren't a hundred percent effective at making diagnoses. And so that's why we want to keep doing these ultrasounds just to monitor it and see what exactly is going on. So I think I had, um, you know, those in-depth ultrasounds every three weeks from the initial anatomy Ultrasound at twenty
0: weeks. Because that's the first time you saw a sign of anything. Yeah. And you're really wrong. young, so you weren't considered geriatric like me right. by the time I had my third. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like an old woman. Yeah. I'm like, thanks a lot, guys. It put me on like the the alert list. Yeah. You know, I'm like, guys, everything's going good. It's Was still it you're
1: like advanced old. maternal yeah, age, exactly. yeah.
0: Advanced thank you. That's the term. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, um So you didn't have to have a bunch of ultrasounds and come in weekly right. like I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: it was just at 20 weeks so and they also had said you know sometimes the adrenal gland develops at a faster rate than the rest of the body so this could be nothing Mm. it could be that it's a tumor and -hmm. that's why it's enlarged at one point they said it looked like it was blood that Mm -hmm. was filling up the adrenal gland and so that's what made it look a little swollen i feel like there was something different every time Mm -hmm. i went in kind of in my mind I had thought, well, until they tell me definitively, I am not going to worry about it. Because what's the point of worrying when every time it's something different?
0: Exactly.
1: Paul, on the other hand, he went to the extreme Mm -hmm. and was thinking, I am going to have a child that is gender confused, and I don't think that I can deal with that. And how am I going to deal with this child? And how is that going to affect this child's relationship with their siblings and people at school. And how are we going to explain this to our families? And, you know, he, the whole course of this child's life, he was thinking about with the idea that there, that this was going to be an issue when she was born. So um, eventually he stopped coming to those ultrasounds.
0: Oh, so he was there at that one.
1: He was there. I think he went to the first, so he went to the 20 week, 23 26 probably and by then he's like I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know if something's wrong because I can't I mentally can't deal with yeah. it. So um so he stopped coming which I was fine with. It was stressing him out.
0: How it was is it affecting you with with watching him go through this?
1: I think that it I think in my mind I just thought, you know, eventually he's going to get over it. Right now it's hard for him to do. But I, I didn't feel like I could help him because I, you know, I couldn't say it's going to be fine because I didn't know that right, for right. sure. Um, I just kind of, stu- I, I think probably I just stood back and said, you know, he's going to deal with this the way that he needs to. And that's fine.
0: Yeah. Wow. And once we know Gave for sure,
1: grace. you know, mm-hmm. what it is, then we can come together right. and work on it together. But until then I just sort of felt like.
0: And so you would just, you'd go to these, these, um, uh, Doctor visits, but you wouldn't come home and give the.
1: I wouldn't tell him. Yeah,
0: you would just yeah.
1: Yeah, I would ask. Do you want me to tell you? And he would say no. <sighs> yeah. Like, okay, that's fine. I'll tell my girlfriend. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's something that I want to talk about. Yes. But if he can't deal with, you know, if it's too much for him right now, I was okay with that. Yeah. So I think at the last ultrasound that I had, I think I was thirty six ish weeks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they said the adrenal glands look normal.
0: Wow,
1: everything was fine. Mm-hmm. It looked completely normal. They were able to look at the clitoris, which is what they said would have been enlarged mm-hmm. to look like a penis, and again, they weren't one hundred percent sure because they're looking through me and then through the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said, you know, we think that they everything didn't see anything enlarged
0: like they had right. weeks before.
1: Yeah. Wow. However, they did see that her kidneys were attached, so she has mm. what's called a horseshoe kidney. So instead of being like two distinct little organs, they're attached to look like a horseshoe. And how
0: does that affect?
1: So they told me that it's really common. One in 400 people have a horseshoe kidney, and it's usually um, asymptomatic. And they said, we're going to have a pediatrician in the delivery room with you so that she can do an ultrasound on the baby to make sure that that is actually what we're seeing. And then if it is an actual horseshoe kidney, then we'll refer her to a a pediatric urologist and you guys can go from there. I guess sometimes it can lead to um, UTIs, you know, just Mm. having a lot of UTIs in your life um, because the urine isn't draining properly. So that was potentially an issue.
0: So how is she at two and a half years old? Has that ever been an issue? It's never
1: been an issue. So she's been followed by a urologist. She's had um, several ultrasounds to just make sure that everything is flowing correctly and it's fine. Totally asymptomatic. That's great. So it was a blessing that we knew that there was something going on. Right. So that was kind of the first thing. It was a blessing that they thought something was wrong because that led us to know that she had a horseshoe kidney. We would not have known that she had a horseshoe kidney otherwise because... The pediatrician was there she she did the ultrasound on Ruby as soon as she was born she said yes this is a horseshoe kidney but because she was there she also was able to identify that Ruby had some facial features that looked syndromic mm-hmm. to her mm-hmm. she said you know I'm not hundred percent sure she's just been through the birth canal and she's a little bit smashed up you know all okay so faces she's looking at little, her after she came out yeah okay got it yeah mm-hmm. And so she said, because of that, because I see possibly some facial features that look syndromic, and because she has this horseshoe kidney, which can often be a sign of a syndrome, I think probably most times it's not, but mm-hmm. sometimes it can be. She said, I'm going to send the geneticist over and have him take a look at her, to see what he thinks. So that was kind of the what started the cascade. I don't know if we would have seen a geneticist if she hadn't had the horseshoe kidney. And if we hadn't thought her adrenal gland was enlarged, I don't know if we would have seen him and gotten this, gotten the ball rolling mm. to figure out what exactly was going on.
0: So when Ruby came out and you saw Ruby's face and her features yourself for you, I'm wondering, did she say something first or did you see Ruby first and get to like hold her, be with her breastfeed or all that kind of stuff? Anything inside you go... Huh. Looks a little she looks a little bit different.
1: Yes. I did think that she looked different. Also, I guess I should mention she was five pounds twelve ounces, which small. is pretty small. Yes. So full my term. other yeah, full term. Mm-hmm. Um my first was seven twelve, mm-hmm. my second was seven eight. And mm-hmm. then here she comes out five twelve. And so that was kind of another red flag. Mm-hmm. Like, is something is something wrong here? And I, so I, looking at her face, I thought that's, that looks a little strange. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for her to open, well, both eyelids, but especially one. It Mm -hmm. looked really puffy. And I just kept thinking like, she does not look like my other kids. Mm -hmm. And again, it's hard to say because her face was smashed, you know, babies just have that you yeah. know, beat up look. Yeah. I have a nephew who was bruised all over. I just heard about like, these. Yeah. He had a hard time getting through. And so I was kind of thinking, well, you know, maybe that's what the issue was. I don't know. I, yeah, but yes, I did think that she looked different.
0: But again, you're Miss Calm of the Universe. So you're just like, ah, uh, you know, I, you know, just, it looks- I like kind of waited out yeah. and see if she. Oh. God, impart this to me. Yeah. Impart it. I want it. Yeah. I yeah. love this, this just calm, peaceful nature you have. Um, wow. So Paul, he's there. And yeah. how is he affected? And does he see?
1: So we have talked about several times about him going from zero to 60. Like, for example, he used to say, do you think she'll ever walk? Mm-hmm. Do you think she'll ever talk? Do you think she's going to need braces? And I'm
0: thinking braces for teeth or legs. Okay, yeah, because he's a dentist, right? Yeah,
1: (laughs) so that's on his mind. And I would say, well, let's cross that bridge when we get there. There's no point in worrying about it now when we have no idea. So even after she got her diagnosis, um, there's such a broad range of abilities and symptoms that the doctors can't say, okay, yes, she'll be able to to do this. No, she won't be able to do this. It's always been she will teach us what she yeah. can do.
0: So it really is just so it's a just wait kind of and wait see. and see, yeah. yeah.
1: And um, has he calmed down? You think? Yes, I think he has. That's good. Yeah, I think that he has noticed. This is just stressing me out, and and maybe it's that he just keeps it to himself now and doesn't <laughs> tell me. I don't know, um, but I feel like he is more kind of accepting, more calm about it. Ruby has a special, a a very, very special spirit. Mm. She brings so much happiness and love into our family. Uh, We're all just like crazy about her. Even with all of the stress that has come with her diagnosis and all of the therapies and appointments that she had, um, she's been our easiest child. Oh my god! For sure. She's just pleasant. She's happy almost all the time. Um, when she's not,
0: it's easily remedied. Right. Like there's something. Yeah. Either she's, she's tired or, or she's there's tired. physical. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's how it is with Breeze. Like, it, yes. like that's why I'm saying this is so great. It's like, I don't have to go through, I don't have to jump through massive hoops of emotions yes. to get to the bottom of what it is. Yeah. Right. It's because someone looked at you wrong. Yeah. That's the bottom <laughs> of the barrel. Really? You know. Anyway. It took an hour yeah, to I figure know. that out. Why? You're all crying now. I'm crying. You're crying. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I love that. Wow. Yeah. See, that's. So he,
1: I mean, she has him wrapped around her finger, oh. really. And since Heidi has been born. Oh, I
0: cannot wait to meet Heidi. So she,
1: yeah. So Paul has really stepped in and he's been Ruby's person. You know, oh. if she, because she's still, you know, is crawling around and she's needs still help a with baby. Things. She's still in a, a lot baby. Of ways, yeah. yeah. So he helps her. He's kind of. Mm-hmm. The one that is taking care of Ruby and I sort of take care of Heidi, he takes her to her appointments. So they just in these last few months, I think have developed even a stronger bond. bond. Yes. And I mean, it was there before. I feel like everyone loves Ruby.
0: Yes. Oh, I've seen you know, Parker. I mean, it's
1: just. Yeah. Parker is head over heels
0: oh about my Ruby. Gosh.
1: She. And
0: Esiason is yeah. too. It's just, oh my yes. gosh.
1: My kids' little friends love Ruby. Everyone at church knows Ruby and loves her. I feel like she just gets passed around at church and I don't see her very much. She's like the communal baby or like yes. the mascot, you yes. know? And people, I think that they sense her specialness. I think it also helps that she's really small and so she is kind of like a baby yeah. and people like to hold little yeah. babies and she she doesn't have any stranger anxiety and so she'll go to anyone else.
0: That's awesome.
1: She is very intent on people's faces. So she just will like stare at people. And I think that I think that people really like that. You know, they're they connect yes. with her. He loves working with her on her therapies, so like they walk together. Yeah, all tell the me time. about the therapies. She has what's called an early interventionist. So it's kind of like a special ed teacher. And so mm-hmm. she comes to our house once a week mm-hmm. for an hour. And um, what she does is kind of identifies what areas does Ruby need help in. And so sometimes she'll bring over mm-hmm. a physical therapist. She ha- Ruby has her own physical therapist, but sometimes she'll bring another one just to get another set of eyes on an issue or she'll bring over toys that she thinks that Ruby would really like and they would help her grow in certain areas. So that's kind of her job and she'll kind of show me ways to help Ruby thrive. So like if you interact with her in this way, it will help her in her communication. So she's kind of teaching me and then helping Ruby at the same time. she really tries to work on Ruby interacting with other people. So Ruby is very good at entertaining herself.
2: That's um,
1: good. Yeah, which is really good. We but wish you that also, for all children. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just
1: go your room and read a book. So um, I think the concern, I don't know if she thought just with Ruby or with kids, with syndromic kids in general, Um But sometimes they sort of pull away and they aren't
0: social. So it'll be more, yeah, antisocial. Yeah.
1: So she she will sort of teach me ways to really draw Ruby in so that she's interacting Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. And that also helps, like, with speech. If Ruby is intent on me, you know, if we're interacting, then that's sort of the first step to imitation. So I remember we used to just do vowel sounds. You know, I would go,
2: oh
1: and try and get her to copy what I was doing. And did she? Um, she did with some things. I think she would make the face shape. I don't, I think she didn't make sounds at that point. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, you know, like, that was the first step, is just to have some yeah. imitation. Um, so, like, we'll read books together, and she would show me ways that um, that it would be exciting for Ruby to sit down and read a book with me. So, like, I would mm-hmm. cover up the picture and try and get Ruby to take my hand off and then oh look it's a puppy you know just so that she was having some just so there was that interaction yes
0: yeah Ruby likes to touch people's faces is that right yes okay I remember that from Parker's birthday because I'm like what she did something that was so endearing and sweet but yeah she was she was caressing my face and I'm like oh
1: I love you
0: yes yeah oh yes and her i mean her skin is still
1: so soft like a baby and her touch is just so sweet yeah
0: courtney you're a person who it seems can get through a difficult season staying calm and balanced and level-headed under what to most people would be a tremendous amount of pressure and you know each baby visit you'd go to the stakes could get higher and higher. And in fact, in your situation, they did. So what could you impart to, um, the people in um, our audience today that could be good advice for going through a difficult, um, situation like you did? What are some things that you could impart to them?
1: I think not knowing is one of the hardest parts. Um, I so I was really pushing for a diagnosis. To me, it was obvious that she had Cornelia de Lange syndrome, Um, but I just wasn't getting anywhere with her geneticist. He was really reluctant to give her that diagnosis, and he kept saying, "Well, it wouldn't change anything because she's in all these um, therapies. She's having all this early intervention. We aren't treating. We don't treat syndromes. We treat the symptoms." So she's getting what she needs.
2: We don't treat
0: syndromes, we treat symptoms. Right. Huh, interesting.
1: Yeah. So, um, just that if there was an official diagnosis, the way that they were handling Ruby would not change. She was in occupational therapy, speech therapy. She had the earlier interventionist. Nothing would change just because she was labeled with a syndrome. Right. So, for him, having that official diagnosis was not a big deal. For me, because without it, so much was unknown, Yes. for my sanity, I really wanted a diagnosis. Yes, I need to know. I need to know. And whatever it is, I'm fine. Like, we will deal with that. It's fine. But I just want to know. If someone were going through that unknown, I would say that they're not alone in wanting to, to have that knowledge. I think the unknown is very difficult. The other thing I would say is that in my experience, the initial information, whatever it is, is always hard to swallow. And with time, it becomes easier. And you get that perspective and realize this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's something that we can deal with. For example, um, after she got her diagnosis, I was looking more into it. And one of the things that's really challenging for kids with de DeLange syndrome is communication. Mm-hmm. So some kids don't speak at all. Um, sometimes kids have not even just with speech but nonverbal communication. They just don't have. And so um, I was kind of looking into that and I stumbled upon a YouTube video of a speech therapy session of a boy. I think he was 11 and... um So it was him and his speech therapist. And he he had had He had Uh Cornelius DeLange syndrome. And I just remember it. So I guess maybe there's been more than one time where I just sort of melted down. But what he could do was something like this. And that's what it sounded like. And I thought, okay, like this. This is going to be Ruby. She's never going to speak. How how are we going to deal with this? And I think I cried after watching that video thinking like, okay, this, you know, this is our reality. So fast forward probably a year later. Ruby still isn't speaking. She has a few sounds. Um, she can sign maybe three, three words. Um, but it's not awful. And again, when I first heard about Cornelia DeLange syndrome, I thought this is awful. This is too much. And now she's almost two and a half. I don't feel like it's really a big deal. I don't think it's bigger than what I can handle. So yeah. So that's another thing I would say is initially it's going, you know, things might seem awful. They might seem like more than you can handle, but with time things become more manageable. Yeah. And then maybe the last thing I would say is, um, and I've kind of touched on this, is fear, for the most part, is not um, advantageous. You can't some things you just can't control, and um, it's not going to benefit you to worry about the things you can't control.
0: It's true. It's true, and it's interesting how I have just really grasp that area but that has always been an issue for me i mean my mom said that i came out like a worry wart so yeah (laughs) for me to be fascinated by people that have because we're all born with, with different gifts different uh strengths weaknesses and so um i just have always found people that are even keel in in the eye of the storm have they've been like superheroes to me i've always just been like how in the world did you stay steady But I have, I've had to and do give myself credit now because I have been in many eyes of the storm in my Mm -hmm. life and I'm always surprised. Wow, I'm surprisingly calm right now. Sometimes we just don't know who we are until we're put in the situation and we just have to face it. Mm -hmm. And so we can imagine all we want, but you're right, fear is is never going to add to our life. It's never going to add to the situation. It's really only going to make things worse. So... Oh, I'm so thankful for you I'm so glad that you are that we've been able to be friends my life has been enriched knowing you, knowing your family and I really you. cannot wait to meet Heidi I'm excited I am so. She's I feel like, bad, I'm like why haven't I met <laughs> you know, I need to meet her so Courtney, thank you for being here you're welcome thank you for sharing your story with us
2: sunshine I'm driving radio's playing there. Rose Smith, and I left you in the rear view, trust me, it's better like this, wishful and blissful, oh, I'm gonna be just fine, headed toward what I'm looking for, not what I left ¡Gracias!